Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or the Graham Aaron underscore Dugan. Big show planned for you guys today. We do not have a special announcement today, but we will have a special announcement for you next week on the pod. We are beefing things up. We are a regular offensive and defensive line in off-season workouts. We are beefing things up. That's what we've done for you. A, a huge special announcement for you guys coming next week on the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. I think you guys are all going to love it. I know, Aaron, we're very, very excited about it. So, uh, got things up to date out of the way there early. Ken Seals started all nine games for Vanderbilt last year at quarterback. He is going to be a sophomore this year with new head coach Clark Lee. He will be our guest later on in the show. He has signed a name, image, and likeness deal, and as a part of that deal, He's a part of the 440 Sports Network on the Vandy Sports Podcast every single week. So if you're a Vanderbilt fan, go check that out. Uh, also, we'll, we'll talk to him about you know what this whole name, image, and likeness thing is doing, the new coaching staff, all kinds of fun stuff with Ken Seals uh, as well. We're going to dive into as camps are opening up all across the Southeast this week, Aaron. Next week when we join you with our special announcement, we will have practice at I think all 14 schools to talk about. So we got football to talk about, Aaron. That's crazy because we've we have figured out a way to talk about football without having any football for a really really <laughs> long time now. Yes, musicians and comedians uh, help help you help you with that uh, tremendously. So next week we'll have a ton of stuff. But as a part of that preview of camps, we thought we would roll through all of the things we are most interested to see: our favorite storylines, our favorite position battles, all the things that we cannot wait to see unfold in the SEC over the course of the next month before the season gets started. Uh, of course, uh, however, and, and and oh by the way, of course, Greg Sankey is being being asked a lot of questions about expansion and how that's how Texas and Oklahoma are going to affect playoff expansion. You have to clarify which expansion you're talking about: SEC expansion or playoff expansion. He's been answering a lot of questions, so we'll get to that coming up in just a second as well. However, Aaron Dugan, mm. I'm going to give you a second here, okay? Because you know what's coming. Just do it. Just, I don't know what it's. I, I really don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I does, truly nor does, don't. Nor does anyone else, and that is the beauty of it. Fringe Element is brought to you by Jasper's, the commissioner of restaurant standards for food and other things that matter <laughs> that's amazing i love it yes <laughs> jaspers is the commissioner for restaurant Standard. standards and food and other things <laughs> bar set real low for these <laughs> taglines it's go fine to, though go to jaspers if you're in nashville go to jaspers if you're visiting nashville go to jaspers it is a fantastic place to eat and watch the olympics i guess they're not open at 6 a.m but they're open for the prime time stuff and they got a great happy hour free parking great menu by deb paquette and the folks over at four top four top hospitality so go check that out all right so before we get to all of the storylines that we can't wait to see unfold in sec camps ex except for the c part i guess since no one's going to actually see any of it since college football coaches don't let us see a goddamn thing we know you're salty about it we know well, I've been at Titans camp every single day for the last like six days. And it's like, oh, I get to watch the defensive line against the offensive line. And the NFL coaches don't care, except for I can't at Vanderbilt or Arkansas or Missouri, because apparently that's like nuclear codes. Anyway, I'm salty. You're right. So <laughs> we'll talk about the storylines we can't wait to read about unfolding <laughs> over, the next, over the next month. But first, 
This was Greg Sankey when asked by Paul Feinbaum, does the expansion of the SEC, including Oklahoma and Texas, into their league, does that affect or slow down the possibility of playoff expansion? And here was Greg Sankey's answer. Uh, we are not the conference that's been clamoring for college football playoff expansion. That's come repeatedly from others, from commissioners, from presidents or chancellors of universities, athletics directors, head football coaches, even in the media. The call for college football expansion has been present. And we've said, and I've said to you many times, for has worked, is working, and it continue to work. And I've even said that subsequent to the identification of a format for consideration. And we need to understand that's exactly where we are in this process. Here's a format after looking at a variety of options. And the charge for those of us appointed to a working group was to check our logos, our conference ball caps at the door, and think about college football. So let's just be candid. The, the Pac-12 hasn't had regular access into the playoff. I, I happen to be one who thinks an adjustment that, that opens that up should be considered. And so the allocation of automatic opportunities for conference champions is a nod to offering that consistency of opportunity for many. Uh, we could simply stay with the four best teams. I, I'd be satisfied or interested in discussing that further if there are concerns about the 12-team format entered. But I still think the, the values and the fundamentals and the objectives present in our working group's consideration are relevant today, even with the breaking news of this week. Now, as you can tell, Aaron, uh, go ahead and call the SEC's bluff and stop expansion of the playoff from happening because this was being done for all of you out there outside of the SEC. The SEC, as Greg Sankey just said, is just fine with a four-team playoff. Your thoughts on Greg Sankey's comments? I was trying to actually do the math on what the you know what the difference would really be for the SEC to try to figure that out. I mean, where, what were they? What, number one, number five, and six, one, four, five, and six last year. Oh, I have. I don't have the rankings in front of me. That's a great question. Um, if you count Alabama Oklahoma, and Georgia, were no, they had they had Bama. A and M was five. I don't have the rankings pulled up. If you talk for yeah. a second, I can pull it up. Okay. Well, I do think there is truth when Greg Sankey said that he wasn't opposed to opening up the opportunity for to take the each conference champion. He has no reason really to be opposed for other people getting a shot. I mean, if you ultimately have, you know, four of the be of the top eight teams in the nation in your conference, I mean, you're still going to have a strong showing in the postseason. So I believe that he probably didn't really have a problem with the 12 team playoff, but I also don't think they need it. I mean, it sounded pretty straightforward to me and I think it was true. Yes. Alabama was number one. Texas A&M was number five. Oklahoma was six. Florida was seven. Georgia was nine. That would be five teams into the playoff if last year had happened. <laughs> so, and, 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 and Oklahoma. I mean, of course, Oklahoma's record might not be that, but eight and two. Oklahoma could go eight and two in the SEC. And it's interesting. Ten games. For sure. And and you and I have were hesitant about the expansion beforehand, but we both kind of came around. And I think with all of the things that we're seeing happening with the sport at large, the opportunity to have fans and schools continue to be excited about their team through the end of the season, potentially into the postseason is really good for college football as a whole. So I had come around to the 12 team playoff format, given 
if and only if you know scheduling and players' health and safety were taken in, taken into account. So I don't mind it, but I, I think Greg Sankey was very transparent and being honest in that interview. The SEC is not scared. Okay, the reason the playoff is expanding is not to help the SEC; it's to help all the other people that are struggling to win the playoff <laughs> so, so, or get in, like he said there about the Pac-12. So, oh, by the way, Texas was 20th in the rankings, which is ahead of Tennessee, ahead of Auburn, ahead of LSU, ahead of both Mississippi schools, Kentucky, Missouri. So Texas would have been actually the sixth place team in the SEC last year. When they fired their coach and had a bad year and everyone likes to rip on Texas, they still would have been sixth place in the SEC last year, ahead Eek. of eight other schools. Just now so let's know. keep in mind that the whole thing there is value across the entire sport or across all schools in terms of money. So we do have to keep that in mind. There is potentially monetary opportunities with the 12 team format, but from a competition standpoint, it was not, the SEC did not need to expand. No, I think the way that you would hurt the SEC is if you, if the committee to expand the playoff changed their mind from 12 and they, and they went to an eight team format that I think with six automatic bids, or maybe five, depending on what happens to the Big 12. Yeah. If there are six automatic bids with only two at-larges, that hurts the SEC, and that is why it went to 12, because Greg Sankey was like, no, 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 no. Eight is not good enough, because we're better with four, because that's four at-large bids. We can take two of those. You know, you maybe get two teams into an 18 playoff. With a 12-team playoff, like we just said, you might get four, five, or six. So I, I think the question of does ex- does SEC expansion slow down playoff expansion, I would say no. They're mutually exclusive, but I do think they're going to happen at the same time, right? Like whenever the big 12 makes their decisions or teams start to go away or whenever all these negotiations take place with money, I think it's going to happen probably about the same time. As I said last week on the show, I think 2023 is a good target, you know, two seasons from now, I think we could have a 12 team playoff and Texas and OU could be in the sec that that's, that's what yep. I would, that's what I would guess. Uh, I guess two full seasons. Correlation, then- not cause. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. So I just wanted to play that for you guys. Cause there's been a lot of questions about that. Like, Oh, is this going to slow everything down? And I'm like, no guys, the sec doesn't care. They'll stay at four and be just fine and keep taking two spots and winning national titles. They, they don't care. So, um, and, and they've earned that right. So let's take a look at camp camps opening up everywhere. Can't wait. We're going to have actual practice to talk about next week. Again, special announcement as well. Make sure you stay tuned for next week. Uh, let's just bounce around here, Aaron, no rules. We, we have no rules on the podcast, and we'll hear from Ken Seals a little bit later on as, as Vanderbilt's uh, starting quarterback, now uh, a part of the 440 Sports Network. So we'll, we'll get to hear from him a little bit later. Great kid, really smart, knows what he's doing, and I think name, image, and likeness is – he's one of those guys that's going to benefit greatly from name, image, and likeness, and not just in a financial sense. But let's bounce around the league here, and beauties in the eye of the beholder, things you are most fascinated by, things you are most interested to see, position battles, new coaches – Whatever it is, man, there are no rules on the show today. I would like to start with Texas A&M. Texas okay. A&M lost four starters on the offensive line. They had one of the best teams they've ever had in the history of the program last year. Finished fifth, just barely missed the playoff. Four starters are gone from the offensive line. Kellen Mond is gone from the quarterback. But there still is a lot of talent on the O-line, and they have a lot of dudes that are, have played snaps and have rotated in. They have two of the best running backs maybe in the conference, maybe the best tandem of running backs in the conference in Smith and Spiller. They have, there's a quarterback battle there. I, I one, The thing that I am most fascinated by maybe in the entire league is does the offensive line quarterback situation at A&M figure itself out fast enough so when that they host Bama – 
Texas A&M is on that top tier and challenging for an SEC title. If that all, if all that stuff gets worked out in camp, I think A&M could be really, really good. And your, your main question is just, can they get everything figured out on the line in time and at quarterback to be able to put something together? Yeah, it's kind of a combo. I think Hayes King looks like the guy who's going to start at quarterback, but Jimbo Fisher's offense is very complicated. But that offensive line is why they were so good last year, in my opinion. And they had a senior quarterback. So it's sort of, I'm not as worried about the receiving core. They're getting better out there. The running backs are great. I think the defense is really going to be good. The question for me is offensive line and quarterback for AM. How good can they be there? Yeah, so that will mean that camp is a really, really big deal for them because that has a large part. Offensive line chemistry is such a huge, I mean, it's a huge part of the game at large, but camp is a very valuable time to make sure that things are working for those guys to make sure that they not only know the playbook very well, which they, they should, but also, you know, can they, can they have the coverage and create, you know, the, yeah. I guess symmetry is not the right word, but just the chemistry, I guess, no, chemistry um, right, amongst yeah. each other and, and camp is camp is a big time for, for both the offensive and defensive line. Right. Offensive line takes a little bit longer to firm up. So it's, it's harder to get that, get that right and get it gelled together. Where are you headed to? Where, where, where are you, where are you going to watch practice if you were ever allowed? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm very fascinated by all of these quarterback battles, obviously, but the ones that are most interesting to me are not necessarily uh, the best teams in the league, but the (laughs) ones where we, where we really may not know it may not be announced until later. The three that, and especially Kentucky, I think Kentucky has a little bit more time with the solidarity that they've had on defense, you know, in past years. I think that gives them a little bit more freedom to experiment at the quarterback position and kind of change things up. I don't know if that will go all the way into the opening game. So I'd love to know what you think about that. And also keeping in mind through all of this, whether it's Tennessee or Kentucky or, you know, all of these quarterback battles at like 10 schools, um, or at least I think 10 out of 14 schools either have a new offensive coordinator or have are dealing with a quarterback battle. So that's a lot. He, and I think, Kentucky has both. <laughs> yes. So they have, I think, a little bit longer to decide. I, I don't see there really being much of a battle by the time we get to the opening game for Vanderbilt. And that's not necessarily because I I don't think it's valid or maybe there aren't still two people that are kind of vying for that top spot, but more so because Vanderbilt has so many unknowns. I really think that it's important for them to kind of have that put in place. Tennessee, I don't know what will happen. Yeah, I think there's some clarity. Uh, LSU, of course, Miles Brennan, we, we we can talk about this now, I guess. Miles Brennan right, had, yeah. had a quote-unquote severe arm injury in the offseason without practicing. That's like a strange sentence to read. He is out. So, of course, Max Johnson is the starter at LSU. For better or for worse, he could have won the job anyway. But Johnson is now the starter. But you talk about, you know, a new coordinator and, and I can kind of we can talk LSU here because one of mine, I was going to do Kentucky, but I, I love the, the the questions about Kentucky because I think they are really, really good. <laughs> I think that's a the team that I'm like, like growing on that's growing on me all summer is Kentucky. If Liam Combe, the new offensive coordinator and whoever wins the starting job, Joey Gatewood, Bo Allen will will leave us. Whoever wins that job, if they can add a passing attack. To the rest of that team, I think Kentucky could be super dangerous. LSU, you know, you've talked about this ad nauseum. Like, we have no clue what the coaching staff is going to look like. And now we do know the quarterback. 
with Max Johnson. I think there's some clarity at Mississippi State. I think Will Rogers is probably going to be the guy. Right. But I don't know. LSU, I can bring up LSU now because I'm with you. Tennessee's yeah, quarterback battle. Tennessee's quarterback battle is a total crapshoot. That's that one in Kentucky are the two that are just like completely wide open at this point. We have no obvious clue who's going to play. They probably are going to play a bunch of guys. Like who knows? Those are the two um, big ones. And Kentucky to me is more interesting because, like you said, they're projected to be a better team. Tennessee, not as much, right? Right. So, uh, and if you want to hear about Vanderbilt's quarterback situation, Ken Seals will talk about it later on in the podcast. <laughs> so. Yep. So there's that LSU to me is just, how is this all going to work together? We know you got some dudes. We, we know there's some really talented players, but what is Jake Pete's bringing to the offense? And what is Durante Jones bringing to the defense? Certainly they should be better than Bo Pelini on defense. We have, st- we, we sort of know what the situation is at quarterback now. So that's a positive, like, like again, every podcast, what is LSU? And to me, it hinges entirely on those two coaches and, it's strange to be like, well, it's kind of out of Coach O's hands right now. It's kind of strange to feel that way. I mean, it, it is. And that's another interesting thing about fall camp is not only is it a time where guys are competing for spots and making sure that they have the presence that they need to on the field. It's also semi a post hiring tryout for position coaches or <laughs> coordinators. I mean, it's really interesting to watch because the head coach is not only looking at the guys taking reps and and practicing, also looking at how their coordinators are interacting with their players and all that. So it's almost a two-level tryout, for lack of a better word, two-level evaluation, which is not only the players, but also how the coaches are interacting with those players. And are the players being responsive? Are they loud and energetic getting in their face? Um, but I agree. It's it's going to be interesting. And I do think it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Not that Miles Brennan is hurt. That's not a good thing. But that it kind of forced them to make a decision amongst a lot of chaos. As you said, Max Johnson could have easily won that job outright, or maybe not easily, but it was possible. And he Sure. It, some would argue that may, he maybe even fits that system better. However, Death Valley experience has a lot to do with success in Death Valley. So that will be interesting. Yeah, he got he got enough reps, I think, at the end of the last year. And the offense got better that I think that's just enough to feel confident. But to your point, it's more about eliminating the chaos than it is like, is he great? I think it's a great point. Um, all right. What else are you watching? What I'm not looking for is injuries. <laughs> I hope that we avoid any of those like non-contact injuries, uh, you know, ACL, all of those potentially season ending injuries that we oftentimes do see in fall camp. Um, a lot of that has to do with, you know, just the competitive nature of it and trying to prove to your coaches and to yourself, your capabilities, you know, taking, um, you know, pivoting off of a foot really quickly as a receiver and ending up, you know, hurting your knee. And we've seen a lot of that in, in recent years with just, you know, non-contact injuries at fall camp. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Um, that's not a very positive one though. No, I or mean, maybe Miles, it's kind we of don't positive. even know what happened to Miles Brennan, a severe arm injury, like not in practice. Like what is it like a hunting accident? Like that's terrifying. Is it weird that. that my mind now always just goes to like bird scooters <laughs> because I see guys flying around campus on those things. <laughs> and I'm surprised that coaches even let them get on it. However, linemen also ride to practice every single day to, to a moped. So that can't be yeah, that yeah, safe yeah. either, but 
I think my mind goes to bird scooters. No, I think Vegas odds are hunting accident or bird scooter. I think those are one of the two the two best <laughs> options. And let's and let's hope Miles Brennan is okay. Uh, I'm going to go with defense here, and I'm going to go to the Florida Gators. Obviously, it's the biggest story for them. Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen. What does that off? What does that defense look like? Brenton Cox is a really nice pass rusher off the edge. And Zach Carter's a really nice defensive end, but they don't have any safeties that we know about. They don't have a middle linebacker. They don't have a nose guard or a nose tackle. They've brought in some transfers. This is a critical year for a defensive coach, for an offense that's replacing a lot of pieces, that's trying to track down Georgia and defend their East Championship. And to me, Florida was very un-Florida last year on defense. I know we've talked about it, but I want to see who takes over those roles up the middle of the defense for Florida. Nose tackle, defensive tackle, middle linebacker, safety, those positions up the middle for Florida, uh, th- that's you could run the football inside on Florida last year, and they've got to stop that if they want to contend with Georgia this year. Yeah, I don't really know necessarily what to make of that, except for the fact that it's got to get fixed, or yeah. it's going to keep them, it's going to keep them out of you know vying for th- those spots in the postseason that they're that honestly they're not that far from. If they could just figure that out, then we'd be much more likely to see them competing in that um, in Atlanta. I mean, that that's the difference. I mean, their offense was so good that it covered it up last year, but that's the difference between them and Georgia this year. Georgia has the offense and the defense. Florida, we've got questions about maybe both. So, uh, but mostly for me, it's the defense. I think Dan Mullen will do the offense because I just trust him to do it. So if you don't talk about Sam Pittman, I'm going to be very disappointed. I mean, Sam Pittman's always important and leave this in, let it be known. Um, but let's talk about Bo Nix just because I think that's been a, a question mark or at least a... Um, a hot topic. Uh, and they have a lot of changes obviously going on there with, you know, Brian Harson coming in. However, um, I, I don't, I think that is a good thing for Bo Nix just with, uh, Harson's experience as a quarterback coach. What Bo Nix has been saying recently is that the new coaching staff has been really good about working with what Auburn has. So in, in feeding, there's a sense of familiarity, familiarity based on what the players have been saying about how things are being run. And honestly, in a year that was full of unknowns plus coaching changes, I think being able to just capitalize on what you already have and what is working without coming in and turning things over just because you, you know, maybe have a different approach historically as a coach or because you want to just make it all your own. There's a lot to be said for a coach that can come in and adapt to what a team already has. So I do think think that he said that they were going to be incorporating more explosive plays, play action kind of stuff. But I'm really excited to see if they just continue to get better because it seems like they're just the coaching staff is meeting them where they are and then taking them up from there. I think it's going to be a good thing for Auburn offense. I don't think we'll see kind of the reverb that oftentimes you see when an entire system gets turned over to a new staff. I love this one. It's one that I've got circled and with a bullet now, I think I think you have to combine the Brian Harson Mike Bobo marriage with Bo Nix, like this threesome of dudes, and how that how their minds will come together because Bobo and Harson are a little different. Nix has had his problems, certainly w- well documented. They've got probably the best running back in the league in Tank Bigsby. They've got a good second running back in Shivers. They've got four offensive linemen coming back, so they're in good shape to do Auburn like things on the ground. The question is, is Bo Nix ever going to take a step in his development? Can he stand in the pocket and actually go through his progressions and throw off his back foot like a normal quarterback? And and how does Brian Harson and Mike Bobo's systems combine into one system for a quarterback who's struggled with systems? Like, I don't, 
I'm I'm fascinated by it all. I, I think the Auburn offense quarterback coordinator marriage is that 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 triangle, which sort of drives your offense. Like I just I'm fascinated by that. So I'm with you uh, on that in a big big way. Um, I'll stay in the West, and I'll go with which Mississippi school can find the best balance quicker. And here's what's interesting: Mississippi State sneaky good on defense last year better than I think people thought statistically I love the defensive coordinator Zach Arnett I think they've got plenty of pieces eight guys back on defense two corners good middle linebacker I think I think Mississippi State is sneaky decent on defense and I think the offense is going to take a major step forward and and I don't know if you can say that about Ole Miss the offense is exceptional at Ole Miss but can the defense take a step forward And I just don't know. I think Mississippi State is going to be a more balanced football team. I think Ole Miss will be the better football team. But I don't know which one, like by the end of the season, they could be dead even because Mississippi State has found a little bit more balance. Will Rogers and Mike Leach system maybe finds himself some rhythm. And meanwhile, Ole Miss just doesn't have any dudes in the front seven. I I just, I think Mississippi State could be the more balanced team and that could lead them to have a, maybe what I'm trying to say is I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State are closer than people think. How about that? I don't disagree with that. And I'm trying to look at the schedule because I wanted to. Oh, don't look at Mississippi state schedule. It's like, it's not safe for work. It's not not safe for work. It's not. So they, they play Louisiana tech in week one. Okay. Okay. Look at the back half of their schedule though. NC state. Yeah. That's that's a tough ACC team at Memphis, tough AAC team, LSU, A&M, Bama. (laughs) They could be one and four, two and four. It's true. And I, I think it's going to really come down. Like you said, it's there's, it would be possible for these teams to net out close to dead, even at the, at the end of all of this. However, I want to see Ole Miss's. I'm so Mississippi States, the end of their schedule is Vanderbilt. So they come off of that LSU, A&M, Bama, just rampage nightmare. And then they have Vanderbilt at Vandy, but that's not a big deal. Kentucky. Then they have Arkansas, Auburn and Tennessee state. It's manageable. It's manageable. It's manageable. And so I think if they, it's going to depend on, you know, when they're peaking and when things have clicked, because it, no matter how good you are or where you are in, you know, the gel of your team or the chemistry, you still have to play LSU, A&M and Bama in a row. But maybe if you've really got things figured out, you can kind of make a pretty good sweep in the last like five or six games of the season for Ole Miss. They end with, well, they have LSU, Auburn, and then they have Liberty, A&M, Vanderbilt, Mississippi that's, State. That's a tough stretch, though. LSU that's at a, Auburn, Liberty, and A&M. Three of them are at home, but that's a tough stretch. Yeah. They get Bama sort of in the middle of an easy stretch early in the year in week four, but and it's on the road. Like, I, I think Ole Miss's schedule is easier. I think they Ole Miss would have to co- totally clean up at the beginning of the season in possible. order to, to make it – in order to, like, end up ahead of – Mississippi I mean, State at the end, but that's going to be a fun in-state rivalry oh, yes. to watch throughout oh, yes. the course of the season. Absolutely. That's a good one. Absolutely, it will. Okay, well, naturally, now I'm going to have to talk about Sam Pittman. I could of only course. delay it. I could only delay it so long. As is um, tradition. As is tradition. So, looking at Arkansas heading into fall camp, I'm really interested to see where they're able to go in the sense that they are have so many returners. I think 20, and that's that's a lot. That's very rare to have that many returning guys and all five guys, all five starters on the offensive line. So 
it'll be interesting to see where they take it. Are they able to get more into the intricacies because they don't have some of these big questions that other teams have um, and they don't have to fill in as many gaps as a lot of programs do. So hopefully fingers crossed as a huge Sam Pittman fan, <laughs> they're just con- going to continually, you know, be on the up and up. Um, I know that they focused really heavy on adding weight to the line during the off season. Um, Sam Pittman wanted more size on the line and it no. seems like they've been, <laughs> yeah, no way. From an offensive line coach? No way. Yeah. Relatively, uh, hopefully that's been relatively successful for them. And then they're able to kind of dig into a little bit of the deeper nuances. Um, and I do think that hopefully see some big things out of them. Their record definitely did not, I don't think was very reflective of how good of a team they were. They had like, you know, really close games against Auburn or lost on that weird spike yeah, situation yeah, yeah. to Auburn and, you know, played LSU very closely, upset Mississippi State on the road. So that's my Arkansas spiel. Yeah, the, I, I'm with you. They got a ton of dudes. I, I think the, they don't have a lot of gaps to fill in their starting lineup. I agree with you. I think the gap is is about overall talent from their roster to obviously the Alabamas and A&Ms and Georgias of the world. Yeah. And But really, it's not. The, the, the gap really is, is about them and Mississippi State or them and Auburn or them and you know, some of these middle tier teams and can they win a couple of those games? The the anonymous coaching scouting report in the Athlon magazine was the, the biggest change in the league. The biggest change in the league from 19 to 20 was that this is a completely different looking team on film between Chad Morris and Sam Pittman, totally different mindset. All of a sudden they're dogs, physical, hard, playing aggressive late in games. You can tell the difference. So the question is, is how much coaching up can you do of a, t- of a roster that's maybe not you know, at, on the same level as some of these other middle of the pack teams. So I think that's a great, um, they don't have a lot of questions. That's for sure. Um, Georgia doesn't have a lot of questions either. I'll, I'll go to the dogs here. It's to me, it's about the pass catchers. Their backfield's really good with white and cook. We know about Daniels. The offensive line will be solid. Defense is great. I, you know, without George Pickens, who got hurt in the spring, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith's the young speedster. Kiaris Jackson led the team last year. You got Eric Gilbert, the tight end from LSU, who's going to be eligible. Like what, what do the receiving core look like? And does JT Daniels elevate them at Georgia? And does that, is that enough with Todd Munkin to actually evolve the offense the way we think Georgia can? And if those guys are playmakers, then I think they can compete with Bama. I think they can beat Clemson early in the year. I think they can win the national title and all these things. Uh, my questions are sort of a, around JT Daniels. Do they have enough guys? And, and we'll see who those guys uh, might be. So I, I don't know. I think that's, there's not a lot of questions for Bama or Georgia. And that's like the only one I could come up with really for Georgia for me. I don't really have much. I mean, I yeah. think I can, uh, think they'll be able to compete with Bama. Do I think they will win? No, but I don't think it's totally <laughs> out of the question. They're pretty strong yeah. and steady. Both of those two, there's just not a lot to pick at. Yeah. A- Alabama will not be featured in this section of the podcast. There are no questions. I'm not interested in really anything with Alabama, honestly. I know that sounds dis- that's I guess that's rude to Alabama fans, but like I'm far more interested in like did the rest of the SEC's defensive coaches catch up to Eli Drinkowitz and Connor Bazelak's passing attack at Missouri? Like that's more interesting to me than like oh is Bryce Young going to throw for 400 yards this week or 300 yards this week? I'm you know what? I do in- have a question. I do have a question, though, about the difference. I was going to talk about Missouri, but actually you just made me think of a question I do have about Alabama, which is I would love to be a fly on the wall of those practices and see how (laughs) different they looked really from any other team. 
because there are so few questions, what are they doing that looks so different in fall camp from everybody else? Could you make a guess? I mean, is it well, just continual, like just like, over well, and over and over repetition? Like, yeah, what's the of difference? course, M- muscle memory. I-, I would say last year, and again, I just come coming from Titans camp, for example. If I'm Nick Saban last year, I have a lot of talented skill weapons that I don't want to get hurt. Right, Najee Harris, Devonte Smith. Although Jalen Waddle got hurt, like you have all these pieces you want to protect. This year, John Mechie's great, and you maybe you protect him, but you're sort of feeling more things out. Like you want to protect Bryce Young. But I think you're finding you need to fill more pieces in. They've got some coaching staff changes. So, like, I think you're you're maybe going to let them run a little bit more, maybe find some depth pieces. Like, in the NFL, it's different. Like, Derrick Henry hasn't taken a single first-team rep for the Titans all camp. Not a single he's, – he's, you know, seven-day – and this is an Alabama player, actually, so perfect tie-in. Seven straight days of practice, and, like, Derrick Henry has not taken a single meaningful rep in practice. Well, he doesn't need to. What's – the only negative things could happen to Derrick Henry. So – I, I could see last year's team being like that with Alabama, but I think this year's team is going to be more full throttled because they've got so many pieces to replace. So I don't know. You, you always protect your stars. There's no question about that. Um, especially when Alabama's stars are like all feature first round draft picks or whatever. Um, Tennessee's quarterback battle is going to be fascinating. Four dudes in an offensive system that's supposed to score a lot of points. That could be interesting. I really want to see what South Carolina's defensive line looks like. I think with Birch and those guys, they've got some really nice talent there. Can Shane Beamer actually develop them? I think that's going to be fascinating. And then my, yeah, my, I sort of already mentioned my Missouri question, which is I really like Connor Basilak. You know how much I like Eli Drinkwitz. They won a lot of close games last year. Was that a function of luck and maybe a pandemic season? And, and our defense is going to catch up with that system in that quarterback? Or do they evolve and take the next step and continue to, to show progress and, and stay very dangerous? I, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm fascinated to see what the offensive scheme looks like for Missouri as we get closer to, to the regular season. But that's about it for me, man. I, I mean, there's a million other ones, but those are the ones that I'm most interested in. So, yeah, I'm with you on the Missouri thing. I think from a receiving standpoint, that's like in the passing game, I'd say the, re- the receiving core is probably a bigger question mark than Connor Bazelak. We've seen pretty good oh, yeah. consistency out of him, but also you're losing Larry Roundtree. So that's a big hole to fill, but it's hard to not foresee progress for me with Missouri and Arkansas, I just think that they've got a lot of things in place that they need. And there are two faves. Yeah, that, that's right. We're the official fan podcast of Eli Drinkwitz and Sam Pittman for some neither strange- of them being our <laughs> alma mater. So yeah, for some stra- for some strange reason that has taken place on the show. Um, speaking of alma maters, Ken Seals is our guest on the show today. Really smart kid, only a sophomore in college, and a player that normally would never have an opportunity to share his story, explain who he is, talk about his interests, the experiences he's been through, what he believes a student athlete should stand for, all these things that are so important to like, you know, humans. Um, we had a chance to talk with Ken Seals and Aaron, I think he's, you know, I think he's a great representative of Vanderbilt football. I think I'm proud that he's a part of the 440 Sports Network. He signed again with the Vandy Sports Podcast. He'll be a guest every single week on that show with Chris Lee the best Vanderbilt sports podcast I, I think there is anywhere in the world. So um, I, I just think it's another example of an athlete having a voice now that name, image, and likeness is a thing. I think Vanderbilt should and probably is also grateful that Ken Seals is one of the ones kind of navigating this the new waters of 
the name, image, and likeness stuff and being a voice, not just in a press conference that, you know, your coach is telling you exactly what to say, or at least has hard constraints on it. But Ken is a good person to kind of feel out, you know, how this is all going to go down. And, you know, we now have more access to information. And um, I, but I do think Vanderbilt should feel comfortable with him being kind of the spokesperson for that. Yes, absolutely. So without any more conversation about our, our favorite storylines of summer camp let's hear from the quarterback an, a starting sec quarterback so when we come back you will hear our conversation with starting quarterback ken seals fringe element aaron dugan is brought to you by jaspers the shining light in a world of, I was just going to say darkness, but that sounds so awful. The shining light in the world of <laughs> d- darkness and despair. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that took a weird turn. <laughs> Jaspers, the therapy session for your tummy. How about that? That was good. You know you're a dad when you say tummy. Uh, yeah, I know. I say like potty all the time too. Like I have to go to the potty and I'm like, my wife looks at me like, why did you say that? And I go, because I say it every day to two humans all day long. When we're at Jasper's and like the girls have to go to the bathroom. This is also a good thing about being a girl dad, by the way. Hashtag girl dad. Uh, I never have to take him to go to the bathroom when we're out to dinner at, at a place like Jasper's. We go to Jasper's and one of them has to go to the potty. Guess who's taking him to the potty? Not daddy. It's mommy. Mommy's taking him to the potty. And now I'm using all of the words that end in Y. <laughs> oh my God. It's what also, happens. It's what happens to your language, you know? Like we're not talking about the restroom or using the restroom on the podcast next week at all. Two in a row is enough. Is that is that what's happened? Two in a row? Yeah. Remember you're talking about oh, that's right. Yeah. Anyways, go to Jasper's, everybody. Go to Jasper's. It's not filled with darkness and despair. I'm sorry for my <laughs> mediocre to somewhere between mediocre and awful tagline it has a really good food that see that's all that matters it's really good food you've got great happy hours free parking all the things you want out of a honestly it's everything you could possibly want out of a culinary experience you want a really good chef with really good food you want good drink specials that aren't that aren't masquerading and insulting you by a dollar off crap it's a real drink special right you got free parking you get to experience downtown Nashville. Like it's, it's the whole deal, man. It's the complete package. It really is. I'm about to go back to old faithful when I, I mean, they're going to go tonight or tomorrow, but when I do, I'm going to go back to old faithful sweet potato waffle fries Oh, so good. With, some, with some, with some pork on top. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sign That's me up. If you want to watch the Olympics, for example, you go to Jasper's happy hours happening right then during the Olympics. I know maybe if you read the social medias, you already saw what happened, but like, whatever, just ignore social media and go watch primetime Olympics at Jasper's. There's only a couple more days left of the Olympics. If you want to go watch Jade Carey win a gold medal on the floor, you know, or if you want to watch Sunyi Lee dominate the all around, like, you know, these are the things that you can go do. All Jasper's. the TVs, a nice hexagonal shaped bar in there. You can tell I watch a lot of gymnastics with my wife and daughters. <laughs> gymnastics is the best. And I would definitely pick that if I was an Olympic. So, Athlete. So, so, so take all the main sports away, like football or, or like, uh, like golf and tennis and, and basketball and soccer, right? Like the main, main American sports. I don't know if gymnast gymnastics counts because I feel like gymnastics gets so popular that it's almost cheating to be like, yes, I'm the women's all around gold medalist. 
Like it's of course that's the coolest one. I would do okay. Surfing. So I'll I would swimming? do surfing. 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 I would want to be the gold medalist in surfing and be ca- and call myself the greatest surfer in the world. That would be the coolest thing ever. I think. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I'm too scared of sharks, so I'm not trying to play that game. I feel like there's people out there to keep you safe, right? Like some boats, maybe from sharks. Maybe there's boats out there. You know, I don't think there's any shark whispers out there. I'm pretty sure that, I mean, maybe it's not shark infested waters, but right. You know, if you rub their noses, they turn upside down in their bellies and they go to sleep. Right. So you need to read a little bit more about that. That's not all that's really involved in that process. (laughs) It's not just like tapping their nose. You just pat them on the nose. That's it. That's all you got to do. I would, before you get in the water with sharks, I would read through that more fully. That's actually not all there is to it, but. um, Are you suggesting I should not go to Jasper's, consume numerous frozen popsicle alcoholic beverages, and then get in a shark tank and try to put one to sleep? Yeah, I'm going to, and you can actually take the whole front of it off. I don't think you should get, (laughs) try to make a shark go to sleep ever if you can avoid I would it. totally do it in the right setting. I would totally. But definitely do don't do it drunk. But hey, but if you have to do it, you might as well drink at Jasper's before. Like if you have <laughs> to get in a tank with sharks because it's, uh, you know, maybe lower your anxiety a little bit. Anyways, we digress. Go the to Jasper's. I pick, so I don't get to pick gymnastics. I, I think I think gymnastics is such an easy option. Yeah. I think you should probably try to pick like would what you about be rhythmic, a- rhythmic gymnastics? rhythmic you know where they like it might be winter olympics but when they have the like they like throw the ball in the air and do a bunch of tricks and catch it yeah yeah it's like will ferrell in old school (laughs) with the with the with the wand and the yes but also you're like a dancer too like that's like you're almost like i would pick swimming give me like a okay swimming all right is that which which stroke aaron would be your favorite type of stroke i want to be the last person in the the relay oh the medley or whatever Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Relays the Katie cool. Ledecky. Did you see the that there's a uh, a men's and women's track medley mixed? That's awesome. It's awesome. Really? Yeah, it's so cool. That's really cool. I don't know the meters or whatever, but I think it's like uh, it's two women, two men. It's awesome. I love it. It's fantastic. That's badass. Plus, is that new? I think so. I think it's new this year. And watching the women's track team, I could watch that way more than gymnastics or or swimming like i'm done with swimming like I, rowdy Gaines is amazing but i'm done with swimming give me the track stars dude these guys are badasses like i, I know love- that's like the most just organically athletic thing to its core what's like what's, what's the name is it gabby uh gabby thomas is that her name gabby tom i know there's allison felix who my wife is like a ginormous fan of allison phoenix i think it is gabby thomas is it gabby thomas that looks like a track star barbie doll like she is just she like yeah and ha- she's also a harvard grad yes. she this I, I looked over at Haley and i was like this person needs to accomplish more like what what come on you, you and can't... she's like an epidemiologist she like studies infectious diseases and epidemics harvard grad and like fast no, no, and she, really hot she she went to harvard because they offered like neurological sciences or whatever as a thing so she's a harvard grad in like literally rocket science or brain surgery one of the two i don't know the same thing probably she's been like an outspoken uh advocate for uh you know social change and stuff and and, and she's like been to congress and like presented cases to congress and oh by the way she's one of the fastest women on the planet in the 200 meter and oh, by the way, looks like a like a perfectly created human being. I just I I clearly I like Gabby Thomas. Is that her name? It I hope, I hope you, that's her name. <laughs> it is her name. And it makes you never want to say ever again. Oh, I don't have time. Yeah, I know. Like Gabby Thomas know. fit in all of those things we just named and then is still as currently at the Olympics. So we all just suck. Go to Jasper's, the Gabby Thomas of sports bars. That's good, Braden. <laughs>
First of all, congratulations, Ken, on the, on the deal with Vandy Sports, of course, and, and joining the network. We, we really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. I know Vandy fans are really looking forward to it. To, to get things started, I'm, I'm curious, sort of, what were your thought processes and conversations with family, you know, coaches, teammates? What were those conversations like when you decided, hey, I think this is the right thing for me to do this season? Yeah, so there was obviously some concern around it, you know, obviously having that sort of access to the team and such an easy way to communicate that to a large number of people. It's very easy, you know, on my end to say something that, you know, I probably shouldn't say. And so I uh, had conversations with my family about it. My dad, you know, really helped guide me. Um, and I had a very honest conversation with the coach Lee too, our head coach. He, um, you know, I went to his office and talked to him for a little bit and, um, you know, pretty much told me like, it's a, it's a big re responsibility that I have to carry. Um, I understand the responsibility and I'm, you know, willing to take it, but you know, it, this isn't going to be something where I'm exposing, you know, like national secrets or anything. Um, I want, you know, obviously it's in my best interest to protect the team. And so I'm always going to do that no matter what, but I think too, like having me on the podcast, having, you know, whether it be my teammates, maybe in the future where I could co-host it, some, some idea like that. I think the promotional aspect for me and the publicity for me and my teammates uh, could be very beneficial for us when, you know, we're talking about, you know, branding ourselves, you know, in, a, in an age of college football where, you know, we're able to make money off of our name and image. And so it's uh, it's all new. And um, I'm excited to be kind of the, the first on my team to do something like this. And uh, hopefully everything goes well and uh, we can continue this in the future. And uh, it's successful. So you just you just sort of alluded to it there, and I want you to kind of elaborate a little bit more on this because I I do believe that in college football you athletes are are, are largely too too protected. I, I think you guys giving you agency to be out there and have a voice and have a personality and learn how to do it is is beneficial for you guys. So how other than like a little revenue on the side, how are you guys as players looking to benefit from the arrangement? Yeah. Um, so I've talked to Chris Lee a little bit about it. And so if we bring other players on and I can co-host it, I can kind of get that um, media experience, you know, being um, taught, not like a talk show host, but like almost, you know, uh, some sort of like a, a sports commentator, something like that, you know, in, in the general area, uh, working, you know, in the media uh, field is something that I've kind of been interested in. I've talked to my dad about it. And so I think getting that experience will be beneficial too. But really, I think, you know, as far as like learning how to market yourself, uh, making yourself appealing to your audience, uh, getting your name out there. I think, you know, when you talk about business, those are all skills that developing now will obviously help you in the future whenever you do need those for, you know, whether it be a business or I'm still marketing myself, hopefully, you know, and I'm playing football. <laughs> so that that's a it's a cool way to think about, you know, I'm. Yeah, having to deal with these real world situations a lot earlier than we were previously allowed to. And so I think, you know, a lot can come out of it. You know, hopefully players are using this uh, smart and they're not, you know, being dumb. You know, I, you know, I've seen different screenshots of contracts that some players have signed, you know, where they're signing it in perpetuity and, you know, it's for forever and they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. And so that part is what worries me about some of the players and I hope, you know, there's people that will talk about that and be like, Hey, like make sure you have, you know, people that know what they're doing whenever they read these contracts for you and they can explain it to you. So you know what you're getting into. So I think there's a, there's a lot of moving parts to it, but other than the money, there's a lot of benefits that players will be getting from it. 
Can you, you reference just the experience that you're going to get with all of this name, image, and likeness stuff opening up and, and how that's going to kind of bridge this gap that you may have had coming from Vandy, getting into the sports media world, which is something that I experienced going to school there. There's just not, there's not a journalism program. We don't have specialized things like sports broadcasting and that kind of stuff. So what will, do you think this will open up more recruiting opportunities for Vanderbilt for kids that know that they're going to want to end up in media, but are trying to pick a school that is the best match for their long-term career goals. Do you think that this opportunity will will kind of open doors for kids who may consider Vanderbilt that wouldn't have already done so? I definitely think it can. I know there's um, Mike Wright, one of the other quarterbacks on our team. He launched his, uh, Seems like his own company, Mike Wright Productions, where they'll be doing, you know, videos, hosting, podcasting and stuff like that. I think, you know, something like that is something that a lot of kids might want to be doing. You know, when you talk about sports media and broadcasting and stuff like that, uh, the opportunity is there, especially to an audience and a platform like Nashville. You know, you have a a lot of people here that, you know, in the future will get a a lot of support for our football team. And um, I think people will be excited to, you know, look at content like that. And so maybe, you know, content developers that want to come here, recruits that are looking, you know, for something like that. I definitely think that that's appealing to them or potentially can be. And then hopefully they see my podcast and like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. It's interesting to watch. I like watching it, you know, and that's, that's the goal of it also. Um, hopefully they see that and be like, man, that's something that I can do. So I definitely, you know, there, there is a recruiting aspect to it um, for people that are interested in that, but I think, you know, whether it's with, you know, Vandy Sports, you know, because we want, you know, obviously the goal is to continue this sort of thing in the future with other players, you know, after I'm gone and uh, we can keep it going. But um, if they want to do something on their own, I think Mike is an example of, you know, you can do it if you want to. The platform is here and the audience is here to listen if you want to do it. Well, and you've already mentioned having a conversation with with Clark Lee about that, your head coach. You also sort of have to have an environment that that wants to support that and and really um, sort of this holistic approach that he's bringing to the table. And, and Aaron and I both know Derek Mason very well. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Clark Lee just has his own approach to it, of course. Yep. And is and, and, and just sort of, how would you describe the, the, the holistic way he views developing you and every other player on the roster? Like how, how would you describe that approach by him to you players and to the program? It is very, uh, I'll say this, everything that Coach Lee does is, plan to the smallest detail he's very intentional about everything that happens within his program and so going back uh whenever I first approached him about this you know he's kind of losing control of some aspect of his program and so that's what made him uncomfortable he's very he likes to control everything everything he can't control he wants to keep it in house and he understands like players are starting to have their own, you know, their own voice, their own responsibilities. And so he's not wanting to take that away from any of us, which is ultimately why, you know, I'm allowed to do it in the first place. But um, the way he develops us is it's almost from the ground up. It starts not even with football. It starts talking about this is how you treat people. This is how you say yes or no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. It starts with respect and appreciation, um, how to show respect to the environment and the people that are caring for you. You know, cleaning up after yourself. You know, we talk about sweeping the sheds. You know, there's no one that no one has to take care of a Vandy football player. If any football player takes care of himself, and so it's it's these you know core values that he's teaching us as a team that ultimately is going to be you know developed into a culture here, which is the ultimate goal of it all. And on top of that, 
you start, you know, building the person and then you develop the football player. So you have a good foundation uh, of a person to talk to whenever, you know, you have to criticize a coach up, you know, that, you know, the coaching that he's giving is coming from a place of care for them. And, you know, he cares about all of his players. And so it's, um, it's unique. It's not something that I think I experienced under coach Mason's time. I think it's a lot more intensive and, um, personalized towards each player it's not you know here's how we're going to do it and everyone conforms it's very individualized to the characteristics and you know the backgrounds of each player and you know at the end of uh, spring training everyone had a a one-on-one meeting with coach lee the strength coach our mental performance coach um, where all of us were in a room and we laid it all out he's like this is how i see you this is where i see you on the team this is your expectations um, this is where I feel like you're failing to meet those expectations. It's very straight up, blunt. And um, I think, obviously, you know, as a football player, it's going to be very you know, beneficial for all of us. But I think as, like, young men and young leaders in our community, too, that's going to be the biggest benefit that we take away from him. You talk about Clark Lee building you guys from the ground up, and it was recognizable just even as a freshman for you, Ken, just your ability to get back to the middle um, just kind of level yourself, even in high stress situations in game. And this is something Braden and I have kind of gone back and forth about um, several times during the podcast, talking about just, we kind of argue back and forth. And I'm like, you know, it's it's different in my mind to pull someone from the quarterback position at any point, whether it's you or previous Vanderbilt quarterbacks or anyone in the middle of a game because of the recognition and spotlight that is on you guys. It's much more obvious for someone to have a change up in the quarterback position than it is for someone on the line, just to all the spectators. Can you talk a little bit about that? Is that something that affects you? Is it something that you think that is harder to deal with as a quarterback and just kind of the mental game that comes with that yeah I think you know for reasons uh under my performance there were reasons that you know I was pulled out in certain situations and you know I'm I'm able to understand that I had a problem turning the ball over in the red zone and so uh coach Fitch wanted to put in Mike and I assume this is what we're talking about but uh coach Fitch wanted to put in Mike and you know those red zone situations to add another element to the game that I wasn't adding I think you know, for me, whether it's me in the game, Mike in the game, uh, whatever quarterback's in there, if they're going to be the best at getting the job done, then that's who needs to be in the game. And, uh, you know, as far as my flow, I never really, I guess, took offense to it. And I, I wasn't, you know, defensive about it at all that, you know, I wasn't in the game or I felt like my flow was getting interrupted. I think it's really just how you perceive it. You know, if you perceive it to be, like, oh, this is disrupting me, then, then I'll get disrupted by it. And so... <laughs> I, uh, I, I saw it as, all right, we're in the red zone. Let's go score. I'm on the sidelines, like, you know, on the edge of my, I guess not my seat, but you know, I'm standing up, but you know, cheering, cheering the offense on like, all right, let's go. Like, let's put it in the end zone. It's not like, man, like now I'm not going to be in my rhythm. You know, it's, it's a different, different attitude for me. I, I could see, you know, maybe some people might get thrown off by it, but the way that, you know, I've been coached up, I don't, I don't think that it affects me. Yeah, I will say that that was, I mean, I know you've experienced this, but 
this is not just a question that's not just directed at you um you know it's happened yeah. all like no, a but, lot during but, vanderbilt's recent history but he, but, she, but he answered aaron and he answered and said i was right i just want the record to show his answers i know that well I that's right. part of the reason i <laughs> felt aaron comfortable asking <laughs> thank you i knew you'd point that out but i think that the reason i felt comfortable asking you that ken is for exactly what you just said which is you kind of embrace when things change if you think it's the best for that particular situation and it doesn't really get in your head you're able to you know, come back, cheer on Mike or whoever else it may be in the future, um, just because you know that that's the best thing yeah. for the team at the time. And I think there's that's hard for a lot of guys to do that are in the spotlight. So I think it's commendable. Especially, you know, when you start getting to bigger and bigger level programs and you got guys with egos that, you know, are the size of the stadium, <laughs> um, they might get offended by that. You know, I'd, you know, try and take a more humble approach than some of the quarterbacks. So. Well, I, I, my argument has always been that, that that perspective that you have is what makes you a QB1 in the SEC. Like that, that, that ability to, and that approach and that perception is why you are deserving of the opportunity. In my, in my opinion, that's just sort of how, when I see guys that succeed at what you do, it's because they're capable of, of seeing it that way. So um, let, let's, let's talk, let's go a little lighter here. And Aaron, Aaron <laughs> not, I did not know that question was coming for the record. <laughs> Um, but I knew he'd be able to handle it. I, I, I want to know what you learned through your first season, but I'd like to know off the field what you learned, uh, you know, sort of about college life and about, I, I know you're changing your major and, you know, you learned some things there in the classroom, yeah. certainly. So what did you learn? Because, you know, COVID aside, let's kind of take that off the table. Just what did you learn through being an SEC football player on campus in, in your first year? Yeah. I mean, when I, you talk about outside of, uh, you know, football and in college life. I mean, it was, I, I, I want to say it was non-existent last year. You know, obviously, you know, it's hard to put COVID aside, but that was ultimately, you know, I, I'd say the, the most interesting part of it um, being the SEC quarterback is like in the game when, you know, I, you know, our first game was against A&M and uh, we, uh, we played them. They had, you know, a, the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. I know it wasn't near what AM can get to, but the you feel kind of the attention of, you know, all those people looking at you. And I'm from Texas, you know, so I had a lot of, you know, friends that went to AM that, you know, told me they're going to be watching the game that was like, you know, uh, screw Vandy, you know, we don't, <laughs> we don't like them, uh, BTOF Vandy or something. <laughs> and so uh, it was, it, the attention was, uh, uh, something I hadn't experienced, you know, obviously, you know, being recruited in high school is completely different than what it was playing in college. The most interesting part of it was after the game, you know, you get on a flight uh, really late at night, uh, get back to Nashville. It's like two in the morning and I'm just like back in my dorm room, like, you know, this little 10 by 10 foot room and it's like just me and you're sitting there kind of after, you know, having that surreal, like almost like non-human experience of, taking in all that attention and now it's just like it's just you again in your room and everything's quiet it, it was really like after that first game was the the strangest part of it all was just being completely alone again and you know having 10,000 notifications on my phone and you know after getting like you know 200 new followers after the game that I mean it was it, it's you know kind of gets me like almost like adrenaline rush a little bit talking about it so it's um that the attention I'd say is the biggest part everyone you know, becomes an expert on Twitter after the game. So I uh, tend to stay off of Twitter. 
whether it's good or bad, you know, I, I think, you know, I had both those moments last season and uh, the biggest part, you know, I think for any developing quarterback is to not listen to either. Cause if you listen to the good, you're going to listen to the bad. Like if their opinion matters now, it's going to matter later. So I could care less for any of the glory or, you know, the blame. So I'm always going to take, you know, if it's, you know, after a game, I'm going to, you know, take the blame. Uh, if it's the offense didn't perform as well as it should have and, you know, after a good game, give it to my teammates. Uh, and I think, you know, as a quarterback, that's how your mentality should be. And I don't, you know, think that's unique to me at all. I think everyone needs to do that. It is interesting who all of a sudden becomes a play-by-play analyst on Twitter after the game. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's an expert. It's like, did you even play high school football? We're not sure. But um, can <laughs> everyone thinks of you as a student athlete, obviously, and quarterback. And those are the first two things that I'm sure come to most people's head when they talk about you. But outside of those two things, if you weren't playing football or studying or watching film, what would, what do you find yourself doing in your spare time? If you even have any of that? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot. Really? I, I don't do much. I don't, I don't watch Netflix. I don't uh, play video games. I actually used to be very into Warzone. I played uh, Call of Duty a lot with my friends back home. Um, since I've been back this summer, I haven't really played, um, I really just hang out with, uh, in my room, my roommates, Bradley Ashmore, he's, uh, offensive line. We came in the same time as a freshman. We really just hang out. I'll sit on my phone, I guess, uh, scroll through Instagram. Um, <laughs> sometimes That's we'll go fair. out. Yeah, we'll, we'll go out. We went, we'll go like cliff jumping out at Percy priest out, out at the lake. Uh, sometimes That's we'll something. play. Yeah. We'll play. Um, what's the game with like the net and the yellow ball spike ball. Yeah. play some spike ball sometimes um and uh and yeah we'll go out to dinner as you know teammates you know and you know, as a team and a little group and everyone's like holy smokes like who are these guys like <laughs> I, I anywhere i go with the linemen and there's no hiding from the attention well we went to church last week and uh pretty much the whole congregation came up was like what sport do y'all play and we we're like we're, we're just trying to go to church what did they what did they think well, it, they they knew we had to play some level of football. They didn't know we're going to build or in the NFL, you know, right. to them like all the same. So, but uh, you know, even like we went to uh, me, uh, Bradley Ashmore, Ben Cox would go to like I don't know Elliston Soda Shop and like the the workers, and we had ended up signing someone's hat. It's just like you know, if I go anywhere by myself, no one recognizes me. But if I got you know two six seven, <laughs> you know, that weigh three hundred pounds, everyone's like, holy smokes, like who is that guy? <laughs> yeah so. and their linemen are their own personality breed as well as size so yeah, yeah it's hard yeah. it's hard to be subtle <laughs> well it, it's it's interesting what let's go back onto the football field before we wrap up here and just the the things that you learned on the field because everybody has that sort of I, I just made it to the nfl moment or i just made it to the sec moment everybody has that and you you guys like you have already explained you got started against one of the best teams in america and you guys played them pretty damn close so what what was what was the thing that, that you go into camp this year knowing about yourself that you didn't know last year? So last year, I didn't really know if I could play quarterback. I mean, being completely honest, I was like, am I like built for this? Like I've never played at a level this high under, you know, this much attention. Um, I really, at the start of the first game, I was like, I don't even know if I, I can do this. So like, am I that good? Um, the whole attitude going into this season is completely different for me. I think confidence is the biggest 
advantage that I'm bringing into this next season. And I think having that is going to be like the jump from my junior, senior year in high school, which, you know, I think was significant for me because my senior year, I was playing like, you know, I knew I was the dude. I was going to make plays regardless of who we were playing. And I think it's, you know, the confidence that you bring to the game that's elevated me, honestly. Um, knowing that I could do it was the biggest part for me. And all of the, you know, technical details of learning how to watch film, um, you know, putting bad plays aside, uh, different things like that, you know, not taking, you know, negative criticism from, you know, different fans from whether it be my team or other teams, you know, different things like that. Um, I think that's all going to help me too. But uh, the biggest part for me is going to be confidence, knowing that I've been here before. I know I can do it. I just got to relax myself, have confidence in my preparation and go out and play the game. I know how to play because I know I can do it. Ken, thank you so much, man. Congratulations. You can hear him each and every week on the Vandy Sports Podcast with Chris Lee. I'm assuming you'll be taking his job whenever you're done playing football, whenever that day comes. So <laughs> c- congratulations on that. We do appreciate it. And uh, best of luck this season in 2021. Hopefully, yeah, we're excited uh, to watch you, Ken. Thank yeah, you. Hope- now, thank both of you, too. All right, that's the show. That about does it. Ken Seals, great to hear from him. Excited to hear. That's two athletes on the podcast this summer we've already had, Aaron. Like, so look at these athletes getting to actually say words out loud. Imagine that. And they didn't totally fuck it up. Crazy. Crazy. Just earth-shattering stuff. Fun to have them. All right. Well, those are our storylines. Be be sure to tune in next week. Big-time special announcement next week on the show. All right? Big, huge, awesome special announcement that Braden's been talking about for forever. So tune in so that you don't have to talk about him, tease it ever again. You can just know what it is. So stay tuned, rate, review, and subscribe, share the show. Of course, go to Jasper's because Fringe Element is brought to you by Jasper's, the Gabby Thomas of sports bars. Go to Jasper's, great happy hour, great food, free parking, all that great stuff. Great place to watch the game. Aaron, where can people find you? Aaron underscore Dugan on the gram and the Aaron Dugan on Twitter. There you go. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook at 440 Media on Instagram. Special thanks to Ken Seals. We will have actual practice to talk about next week on the show. And if you haven't heard, a couple of announcements. Thank you for listening. This has been Fringe Element on the 440 Sports Network. Best wishes. <laughs>